Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. John chapter 11, are you there? Can you shout amen? Beginning in verse 17, this is where we pick it up in the story. It says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for how many days? So Lazarus died, and he's now in the tomb for four days. It says, now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. It says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary, she stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, well, your brother, he will rise again. Martha answered, oh, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha goes, oh, I know he's going to live again one day. Thank you, Jesus. I, I know he's going to live. On the last day, I know he's going to live again. Look how Jesus responds. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I love it. Yes, Lord, Martha said. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Out of John chapter 11, today I want us to look at this third account of the third resurrection that Jesus did as he was walking on this earth. And this is a powerful story. Out of John chapter 11, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. Today I want to talk to you out of the subject, God's plan. God's plan. And I believe that today we're going to really see what God wants to do in and through our life. Anybody believing that God does have a plan? Come on, 1 p.m. Anybody believe in that at 1 p.m.? God is good. He does have a plan. Come on, can we close our eyes, bow our head. Let's ask God to bless this time together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this afternoon. God, we pray that you would just continue to breathe upon us. God, have your way. We thank you that you've gathered us together as a church. Thank you for what you did at the 9 a.m. Thank you for what you did at the 11 a.m. Thank you for this 1 p.m. service. And tonight, 7 p.m. in our city campus down in Winwood. God, you are a good God. Thank you for what you're doing in our community. Thank you for healing, salvation, deliverance. God, you are awesome. You love us. And God, we just want to praise you and thank you for everything. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. come on, all of God's people say, Amen. come on, can you make some noise for Jesus? Come on. Anybody here hate when somebody changes your plans? If you have some plans and somebody changes your plans. I, I, I don't like when people change my plans. I, I, I'm a little bit uh, uncomfortable when people change my plans. For example, I, I was born and raised in Miami my entire life. Right? Like I'm, I'm from Miami, born and raised. Anybody like me, you've been here your entire life. Born in this city, raised in this city. A lot of people, a lot of Miamians in the building. I was actually born and raised in Hialeah. Anybody from Hialeah? Wow, this whole corner right here. Pray for that corner. That entire corner is from Hialeah. 
Anybody else from Hialeah? Come on, Hialeah. Okay, I was actually born and raised in Hialeah. And so I, I loved it. Life was awesome in Hialeah. My parents helped out a church there in Hialeah. And so I, I spent all my years growing up in Hialeah. I actually went to uh, um, a small elementary school in Hialeah called Twin Lakes Elementary. I don't know if anybody knows Twin Lakes Elementary, but that's the school that I went to in Hialeah. And life in Hialeah was absolutely amazing. I love life in Hialeah. I had some incredible friends. I actually went to this school since I was very little. So we, it's, it's like one of those things growing up when you went to one school only where you know everybody in your class and you know everybody in your school, right? Like all my friends were the same from kindergarten to first grade, second grade, third grade. Like I know there's some people that bounce around from school to school, but anybody here like me, like you just went to one school your entire life basically, right? Like you develop some friendships and there's some relationships there and you, you all know each other. So like first grade, second grade, I had some of my closest friends, Fernie and Ryan, and uh, we would just love living life in Hialeah. And so I was just like, man, this is going to be awesome. Uh, in fourth grade, I went to Mrs. Sarah's class, and Mrs. Sarah's class, she was the best teacher ever because she was awesome and sweet. And in fourth grade, I met my, my the crush of my life. Her name was Monica. And in fourth grade, I'm like, oh my God, Monica, amazing. Don't worry, baby, she doesn't exist anymore. She, she I don't know where she's at. But um, I just thought my life is going to look amazing in Hialeah from fourth to fifth grade and sixth grade. All my friends and we were playing, okay, we're going to Palm Springs Middle after Palm Springs, HML. Come on, Hialeah in the house, HML, right? And, and, all, and I'm just like, life is going to be amazing. And when I start sixth grade, my parents, they, they give me some breaking news. And they're like, hey, I just want to let you know uh, we're actually going to be moving from Hialeah. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you what do, you, what do you mean moving, Mom? I got my best friends. I got a, my whole life ahead of me in Hialeah. What do you mean? We're, yeah, we're, we're going down to Color Ridge. I'm like, Color Ridge? I'm 12 years old in Hialeah. I've never heard of Color Ridge. Ne don't know what Color Ridge looks like. We came one time to visit. I'm like, I don't want to move to Color Ridge. Like, I got things to finish in Hialeah. Right? Like, I got my best friends, Fernie, Ryan. I got my girl crush that I'm going to marry. Like, you can't change plans on me. Like, Mom, I'm in the middle of the D.A.R.E. program. I got to finish D.A.R.E., D.A.R.E. to say no to drugs. Like, this is important. Don't change plans on me now, right? And uh, the school year was just starting, and she's like, no, we are moving. Me and your dad, we're going. We're going to sell the house. We're leaving. And it was quick. It was all of a sudden. It was fast. Come down to Color Ridge. Started going to middle school. I didn't know anybody. I'm there like, why did they change my plans? And uh, life was never the same again in Color Ridge, right? <laughs> Actually, I thank God for those changes of plans. I met my queen, my Colombian queen, Diana. <laughs> Who's Monica? <laughs> how many know that? <laughs> how many know... <laughs> How many know that life often is going to change some plans on you, right? And it often really doesn't go our way, right? Especially when it throws surprising things our way. Sometimes life is going to throw some sad things your way, some tragic things your way. And you're like, wait a minute, this is not the way I was planning my life. I had it all on schedule. This is not the way it was supposed to look. Now it's throwing me off. Like, why did this happen? Life wasn't supposed to look this way. I'm going to know that sometimes life doesn't cooperate with our plans. It's like, no, 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 wait. This is not the way life is supposed to go, right? And it leaves us with so many questions, and it leaves us shocked. All of a sudden, there, something tragic happens, and we're like, no, wait. This, not, this was not supposed. I was not supposed to be divorced. I was not supposed to be the same. I was not supposed to go through this loss. Like, why has life brought me a change of plans? 
right? And it leaves us dismayed. And usually that's when our courage begins to go away. And we're like, no, wait a minute. Here's the big problem, that when things don't happen when we want or how we want, it's usually when we begin to lose heart and give up hope. When things don't happen how we want or when we want, it's usually when we begin to lose heart and give up hope. We're like, God, why, why is this happening right now, God? This was not supposed to be happening in my family. God, my marriage was not supposed to be broken. I'm not supposed to be living in two separate homes. My kids going from one house to another. I was not supposed to be going through this physical, physical condition. I'm not supposed to be sick. God, I don't understand. This was not in my plan. You know what's funny? Sometimes we really believe that our plans are better than God's plans. Right? Isn't it funny? Like, like our plan. God, have you seen my plans, God? God, have you taken a look into my diary, what I'm writing? I had a pretty good plan, God. God, you should see my five-year plan, right? People always say, you got a five-year plan? Yeah, I got a five-year plan. Somebody told me after the 11, he's like, hey, I heard one thing that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And I think that's so true, all right? He's like, I got this five-year plan together, God. Why, why didn't you stick to my plan? As if our plan is better than God's plan, all right? And I, I really want you to leave with this today, that our plans and our ideas, they may be good, but God's plans are always perfect. Right, like our plans, they may be good. Our ideas, they may be good. But how many know that God's plans are always perfect? Right, like on my own, I can come up with an okay idea. On my own, I can come up with an okay plan. But God's plans are always going to be perfect. They're always going to be great. They're always going to be good. On my own, I can maybe succeed. But with God, I am never going to fail. And maybe you walked in here today and you're saying, Alex, but my plans have changed. I don't know where I am in life. Life was not supposed to look this way. Can I tell you, God has a good plan. He's a good God. He has you in the palm of his hands. You can trust him today. Come on, this is the God that we serve. Jesus, this is an important part of, of the Bible because Jesus here is about to begin his final week of life, right? Like this is the week right before Jesus goes to the cross, in, in other words, Jesus is in the middle of the plan for humanity, a plan that we're going to see that just a few days later, he's going to ask God, can you change these plans? Right. On Thursday night, he's going to be in a garden called Gethsemane. And the Bible says that in that garden, he's sweating drops of blood and he's asking the father, if you can, can you take this cup from me? In other words, God, can you change these plans? I, I know I know this is what I came for, but this is tough what I'm about to go. He, he's looking at Friday, and Friday represents the cross. He knows that Friday, he's about to go through excruciating pain. Friday, he, he's going to die for humanity. That's what we're going to talk about this Friday night. Right? So Jesus is looking ahead. A week earlier, he's preaching and teaching. He's going everywhere, telling people about the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, they run to him, and they tell him, hey, Jesus, Jesus, we got some news for you. Right? Jesus knew this family that it was uh, brothers and sisters, and it was Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They, they loved Jesus. Jesus loved them. And Mary and Martha, they're taking care of their brother because their brother has become sick. Lazarus is sick. Now, now you know it's a pretty serious sickness because they call Jesus. Like, hey, Lazarus is getting bad. You know what? We're trying to do everything we can. While we do what we can, go run and tell Jesus that his friend Lazarus is sick. 
Now, you have to know this about Lazarus. Lazarus wasn't just a, a, an acquaintance of Jesus. Lazarus was a really close friend of Jesus. Like Jesus often would stay with his family. This is the house sometimes where they believe that he, he might have spent a lot of time in and chilled with them. He loved this family. So Lazarus was like his brother. Lazarus was like his BFF, his, his boy. Like he, it was almost like they were together all the time. So it's almost like they were like cousins. Like people are like, oh, man, that, you, you guys cousin? Yeah, that's my cousin. You guys are really cousins? They're primo. No, not really cousins, but we're, we grew up together, right? So people believe they're just like really, really close. Lazarus is Jesus' close friend. And Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is in bad condition. Jesus loves him. Look, look what Mary and Martha do. They're like, hey, hey, go tell Jesus that Lazarus, the one he loves, is sick. Look at how they send the message. Hey, can you go run and tell Jesus that the one he loves is sick? So the messengers, they get this message from the two sisters, Mary and Martha, and they're like, okay, we're going to go tell Jesus. They run to Jesus, and they're like, hey, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. In other words, hey, Jesus, Jesus, the, the one that you know, the one that you spend some time with, the one that you've laughed with and cried with, the one you've, you've eaten pita chips and hummus with, you guys have laughed together, gone fishing together, like the one you love. Isn't it funny? Whenever we go through problems in life, the first thing we question is God's love for us. Right? Like the first thing, like when we're going through some trouble, the first thing we say is like, why God? Are you serious? I thought you loved me. I thought you loved me. So the message they send is, hey, go tell them that Lazarus, the one that he loves. They were, they were trying to tug at his heart. And they say, the one that you love, the one you've spent time with, the one that you love, the one that, come on, you guys have cried together, talked together, laughed together, spent time. Lazarus. Lazarito, your boy. Like, yeah, <laughs> Lazarus. The one you love is sick. Some of us, we think that God doesn't love us because of the problem that we're facing. If we want to live again in 2018, the first thing we need to know today, write this down, is that when you don't get the plan, you need to trust his heart. When you don't get the plan, when you don't understand, when you can't comprehend the plan that God has, this is when we need to trust his heart. All right? We need to know, wait a minute, I don't understand where this is taking me, but I need to trust his heart. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a guy that I, I, I usually, I think that I know Miami because I was born and raised here, but um, a couple of, maybe like about a year ago, I started using this app called Waze. Anybody uses Waze? Waze is a great app. And, uh, but at first, I was kind of like, what is this app going to tell me? Like, we talk about Waze here often, by the way. They should sponsor us, but I was like... <laughs> What is this app going to tell me? Like, I know my city. I know how to get to my city, anywhere in my city. I've spent 34 years here. I know how to look 34. I know. Thank you. Uh, I've spent 34 years here. Like, I just know how to drive around my city. They're like, no, you need to get this app. It's amazing. I downloaded it. I remember the first time I used it, I put it. And it gave me these directions, and it tells me to go a certain way. Now, now where I was going, I've been to a million times before. But it's telling me to take a different street. It's telling me to go to different route. And I was like, this thing. Who invented this app? Like, everybody should delete it. It doesn't know what it's doing. How is it sending me down another street? It's telling me to get on the Palmetto. Nobody likes getting on the Palmetto. It's telling me to get off on a certain street. I never get off there, right? It's giving me all these different directions, right? And, and, and all of a sudden, I start thinking, I'm like, man, all of a sudden, it's showing me how to avoid traffic. And when I, I started noticing that whenever I ignored it, I would actually run into traffic, right? I would run into problems, and 
All of a sudden, I start noticing, wait a minute, Waze knows a little bit more than I do because it picks up signals from satellites and actually picks up signals from the streets. And it actually let me t it tells me where traffic is. It tells me where cops are. Hello. It tells me where all these things are. And it says, don't go that route. Go another route. Can I tell you we have a God that knows more than we do? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Come on, he's got a plan for your life. Although you may not understand the plan, he's got to. You can trust his heart. God, but why is this happening? He's got a satellite GPS on your life, and he's telling you where to go. But the first thing we do is like, wait, there's a problem. We have this false idea that because we follow Jesus, we shouldn't have problems. Like, that's Western Christianity, where we live. American Christianity, right? Like, if we follow Jesus, we shouldn't have no problems. I should always be healthy. I should always have money. No crisis, no problems. Like, life is supposed to go amazing when you follow. That's not true. We think that because we worship, we shouldn't have problems. Wait a minute, but this is the same Mary that worshiped at the feet of Jesus and anointed his feet. And now her brother is dying, right? We think that when we have a problem, it signifies a problem in our relationship with God. A dilemma in your life does not signify a problem in your relationship, right? And so we're like, oh, my goodness, wait, something must be wrong. God must be mad at me or, or some, I've done something wrong because I'm going through his problem. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In this world, we're going to face some crisis. We're going to face some tragedies. And Jesus is like, I'm with you every step of the way. And here's the problem that when, we, when the crisis is small, when a crisis is, is, is tiny, we're like, okay, everything's cool. I got a headache. Everything's all right, right? But, but when it becomes a major crisis, that's when our doubt gets bigger. Oh, wait, wait, wait. This is a serious problem now. I got no control over this. Now our doubt begins to shake our faith. Oh, now, really, I don't know, right? Because we're looking at the size of the problem. Don't look at the size of your problem. This morning, we need to look at the size of our Savior and say, wait a minute. I got a big God who's for me, who's with me. I'm not going to go by what I see. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We don't walk by sight. In other words, what I'm seeing is not going to dictate what I'm believing. I'm going to trust my God. I may be going through some issues, but I'm going to trust that he loves me. I'm going to trust that he's for me, and I'm going to trust that he's on my side. Some of us, it's like we need to remind Jesus that he loves us, like Mary and Martha. The one you love is going through an issue, Jesus. I want to tell you this afternoon, Jesus doesn't need a reaffirmation of his love for you. It's our soul that needs to be reminded of his love for us. Why do we come to church? Why do we worship? Because I need to remind my soul, no matter what I'm seeing, he loves me. He's for me. He's on my side. He's a faithful God, faithful to a thousand generations. My God, he's on my side. I'm reminding my soul that he loves me, no matter what I'm saying. Mary and Martha, they, they're going through it, right? Their brother is dying. And they're like, hey, go tell Jesus that the one he loves is sick. Now, now verses 5 and 6 in John chapter 11 are the ones that throw me off. Like, I, I, I've spent some time in these two verses, and for a while, I did not understand it. Look what happens in, in John chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. It says, now, Jesus, he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Like, this is just weird to me. I don't know if it's weird to you. Like, let me just read it one more time. Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Is that weird to anybody else? Like, I'm reading this, and I'm just like, this makes no sense. Like, wow, Jesus, this is really weird, and this is really wrong, right? I wanted to read this way. 
Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he got an Uber, dropped everything, and ran to where Lazarus was. Like, that's the way we want to read it. Like, what do you mean where he stayed where he was at two more days? But he waited to go and heal Lazarus. This makes zero sense. Now they're frustrated because they have to wait on Jesus to get there. And the one thing that we all hate the most is waiting. You want to live again in 2018, the second thing you need to know is that a waiting season is not a wasted season. Right? Mary and Martha, they're upset. Like, Jesus, you need to hurry up. One of the things we need to know today is that God is never in a hurry. God, he's never in a hurry. Like, God is not in heaven saying, oh, my God, we got to hurry up. Come on, we're running late. Look at, the, look at the time. God is not always checking his iPhone on heaven like, oh, come on, we're running late. Come on, we're five minutes behind, 15 minutes behind. He's not on heaven taking high-pressure high medication and saying, come on, sweating and full of anxiety and stress. That's not the God that we serve. God is never late, and God is always on time. His timing is always perfect. Some of us are like, well, God, why can't you be early? He's rarely, he's, he's rarely early, but he's always going to be at the right time. Right? God is not in a hurry. Mary and Martha are upset. They're like, Jesus, why don't you get here right now? Our brother is dying. You, you need to hurry up, but they are waiting. In their waiting, they get frustrated. It's in the waiting that we get frustrated on God. Well, God was supposed to answer me already. I've been praying for healing for the past two years, and I'm still with this issue. I've been praying for my marriage for so long, and, and there's no change in my marriage, and it looks like we're still headed for divorce. I've been praying that you restore my marriage, and, and there's no way. Now we're actually signing the papers. But this is wrong. I've been praying for my finances, and I'm still over. God, I don't get my life is still the same. I'm tired of this addiction. I'm tired of this sin. God, I want to be free. God, I, I keep doing the wrong things. God, where are you? I'm waiting. And we think that a waiting season is a wasted season. And what we fail to understand is that usually before he does something through us, he wants to do something in us. It's in the waiting where he wants to produce character. It's in the waiting where he wants to build us. It's in the waiting where he wants to shape us. It's in the waiting that God is trying to talk to us and open up our eyes to see what he wants to do. But we don't want a waiting season. We want a now season. Microwave generation. Give me everything under 30 seconds, right? And Jesus is like, wait, it's in the waiting that I'm forming you. I'm shaping you. I'm making you a man of God. I'm making you a woman of God. I'm developing patience in you. Patience produces endurance and endurance hope. And if you got hope, then nothing can stop you. But we don't want to wait, right? God, I'm not married yet. I've been single all these years. Where's my husband? Where's my man at? God, where's my wife at? I've been single for so long. Everybody else is getting married. And where, where's my spouse? Instead of complaining, what about if we say, wait a minute, it's not a, wait, it's not a wasted season. This waiting season, actually what I'm going to look at it as is, wait a minute, actually now I got more time to spend with Jesus. I got more time in his word. I got more time to look like him. I got more time to serve. I got more time to be part of dream team. Come on, it's not a single season, a wasted season. It's actually a season where God is working. God, I've been waiting for healing for so long. I've been so sick, in and out the hospital, in and out of clinics. When are you going to finally heal me? What about if we see it from a different perspective and say, wait a minute, it actually gives me more time to be a witness. It actually gives me more time to tell people about Jesus. Every nurse, every doctor, every clinic, every office, I'm going to lift up the name of Jesus in my weakness because it's in my weakness where he's strong. I got more time to tell people about Jesus. God, when are you going to fix my marriage? 
I've been waiting for so long. We're separated. It seems like we're never going to get it together. Why don't you take that separated time just to say, you know what, God? I'm actually going to devote all my time to you. I'm going to serve. It's not a wasted season. It's actually a working season. The sisters are mad because it looks like Jesus has denied their requests. Some of us in here, we think that Jesus has denied our requests. I want to tell you today that you're not denied. You may be delayed, but you're not denied. He's making you wait because he, he actually has a greater miracle in mind. Right, like Mary and Martha are upset. Jesus, he, he's walking into Bethany. He stays two more days. Two more days. After two days, he finally decides to go to Bethany. Now it's four days since Lazarus has died. And he's walking into Bethany. And the Bible says that Martha, she goes running to Jesus. Right, she goes running to Jesus. She runs to Jesus. It's not like a, it's probably, I, I could just imagine. This is the way I read the Bible. Like, it's probably not a slow walk toward Jesus. It's probably like I hear her stomping on the ground. Like, Jesus, if you would have been here, I can't believe you took two more days, right? And she, if you would have been here earlier, my brother, he would not have died. She's upset. She's frustrated. Why did you take so long? I can't believe you took this long. Now, Mary, how many know Mary is next level upset? Because Mary doesn't even leave the house. <laughs> Mary's like, I ain't going outside. Come on, Jesus is here. I don't even want to see him. He's taking way too long. No, he wants to show up now. Now, we called him two days ago. We called him today. Now he wants to show up. I ain't going to give him no coffee. Tell him not even to step into this house. I don't want to see him. I want to talk to him. I don't even want to hear his name mentioned, right? Mary is next level upset. Now you want to show up. I dare you to come inside this house. Now you want to show up. We laugh at Mary and Martha, but we do the same thing. Hey, come on, it's Sunday morning. It's time to go to church. I ain't going to church. I got fired on Friday. Everything's going wrong. I'm mad at God. I ain't going to church today. I don't want to hear about God. I don't even want to talk about God. I don't even mention Calvary. Don't even mention church. I ain't trying to go nowhere. Oh, come on, we got the helicopter egg drop, 20,000 eggs. I dare, oh, come on, I dare you to bring an egg home. I don't want to trust you. He hasn't fixed my marriage. He hasn't fixed my relationship. I don't want to talk about God. Oh, come on, I got some worship music. This song is called Motion. Don't put that song on. I'm tired of God. He's never answered. He's left. It's not a wasted season. It's a wasted waiting season where God is working and producing something in you. And we get frustrated and upset. And Jesus is like, your brother's going to live again. And Martha goes, okay, fine. I know he's going to live again. On the last day, he's going to live again. I know in the resurrection, he's going to live again. And Jesus goes, no, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who dies will live again. And anyone who's living in me will never die. Jesus is basically saying, as long as I'm in the picture, everything's going to be all right. Trust me. Have faith in me. Has something died in your life? And you're saying, wait, I thought Jesus was going to fix this. This wasn't supposed to go this way. Why these change of plans? Jesus is like, trust me, with me in my plans, nothing ever dies. And everything will live again. And he says, you know what? Why, why don't you take me to the gravesite? Martha's like, are you serious? You want to go to the gravesite? It's been four days. In the King James Version, she literally says, by now his body stinketh. That's weird. She's like, hey, by now his body is like decomposing and, and rotten. Like this is just weird. Four days. Why did he take two more days? According to customs back then and religious beliefs that some people had, other religions, they believed that after three days, the spirit would leave the body. They literally believed this, that for three days, the spirit remained close to the body. But after three days, the body then finally left. So Jesus 
waited one more extra day on purpose to show he's not alive at all. And I'm about to do a great miracle. See, a lot of times we try to put a limit to what God can do. The third and final thing I want you to realize today is don't put a limit where God is only getting started. See, Mary and Martha, they wanted healing. Little did they know that Jesus didn't have healing in mind. Jesus had a resurrection in mind. Mary and Martha, they wanted Jesus to make their brother well. He didn't just want to make him well. He wanted to bring him back to life. Here's the problem. That if God always meets your expectations, then he can never surpass your expectations. We have expectations on God and we put all these plans and saying, God, here are my plans. And God is like, I want to blow your plans out of the water. I want to supersede them. I want to show you that I'm the God that can do the impossible. Don't put a limit where God is only getting started. God, but you could have healed. God, but you could have made him well. He's like, you don't understand. I'm about to bring resurrection. Sometimes God is delaying a little bit more because he's working a greater miracle in your life. You're saying, I don't understand. I don't comprehend. Why is this happening? It's just a greater miracle that's happening in your life. It says that Jesus, he, he says, hey, why don't, you, why don't you roll away the stone from his grave? Maybe some of us, we, we got a, a stone in our life. We got a rock in our life. And, and we're saying, we don't want to go there. God, by now, that place stinks. I, I got some things in my life that nobody knows about. I got some issues in my life that I haven't gone there yet. I got some things and some areas in my life that nobody knows about. And Jesus is like, let me go in there because it's in there that I want to bring life. He says, roll away the stone. He says, they move away the stone. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. I heard an old preacher say one time that he had to say Lazarus' name because if he didn't say his name, every single dead person will come up from the grave and start living again. It was going to look like Thriller all over again. Like just <laughs> Lazarus come forth and the bible says that lazarus comes back to life he walks out of the grave and he says take the grave clothes off of him today some of us we need to take that grave clothes off of us we need to put the grace clothes on and know that god has a plan that god knows what he's doing that god is for you that god is on your side and he's saying come forth get out of that dead situation stop believing that god can't bring life to whatever happened in life he has a good plan you don't like the change of plans. You don't like what God did. Trust that he has a plan for your life. It didn't go according to your schedule. It doesn't look the way that you thought it was going to look like. This is what the Bible tells us. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Somehow, some way, God is going to work it out. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We don't understand it. We don't know why this is happening, but he's going to work it out for the good. Come on, God's got a plan. It's bigger than my plan. It's not my will, but it's your will, God. Come on, anybody believe this is the God that we have? He has a plan. Why don't we get up on our feet all across this place? Come on, if we could just stand up on our feet all across this auditorium. I'm going to ask every eye to be closed, every head to be bowed. If you're here today and you're saying, Alex, this is where I'm at. I don't understand the plan of God. I don't understand why my life has turned this way. Life wasn't supposed to look this way at this age, at this season. I had a plan. I thought by now that things would look different and be better. 
And we're literally in here today saying, God, I, I don't comprehend. God, I don't understand. First of all, I want to pray for some believers in here. If you're in here today and you say, Alex, I know Jesus, but I've lost heart and my hope has gone down. Seems like sometimes where I'm frustrated with God and I don't understand what he's doing in my life and it's gotten me angry, it's gotten me mad. I've been dismayed, I've been despaired, I've been discouraged. Today I believe he wants to breathe new life into your life. If that's you, every eyes closed, every head is bowed. Can you just raise your hand where you're at? I just want to pray for you for a second. If you're saying, Alex, today I, I want to believe God through the change of plans. I want to believe God even though I don't understand what I'm going through. Father, I thank you for every hand lifted, every life represented all across this auditorium. God, you know the struggle of every heart. You know the details of every single situation. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you begin to minister. Every single person with their hand raised, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, God. And I pray that you begin to breathe new life into every hand raised, into every family represented, into every home that's represented as those hands are being raised. God, at times we have not understood, at times we've questioned you, at times we've been frustrated, but God, today we're going to trust that you have a plan, that you are a good God, that when we don't understand, our faith is in you. We're not going to put in doubt your heart. We're not going to put in doubt your love. You love us, God. You're for us, God. Even when we were sinners, you sent your son to die. Holy Spirit, breathe new life today in Jesus' mighty name. God, we pray for healing. Come on, can the rest of the church begin to pray? Come on, just lift up your voice. Come on, we're a praying church. Holy Spirit, begin to heal right now. Set free. In Jesus' name, we believe that discouragement is off your life. In Jesus' name, we believe that depression has to go. In Jesus' mighty name, we're believing for healing this afternoon. God, we believe that you're a God that heals. If you could heal before, you could heal today. Heal areas of every heart, every life. You've seen every tear. You've seen every pain. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I really believe that there's some people being healed right now. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, eyes closed. You got to lift up your hands. You lift up your hands. Holy Spirit, you move. We give you freedom across this auditorium, God. This is your place, your house, your home. Move upon every heart right now. Move upon every life right now in Jesus' name. We are more than conquerors through you. Lift up every head, open every eye, break every chain. Thank you that there's power in the name of Jesus. Come forth. Come forth. Leave that gravesite. I know somebody hurt you. I know somebody did you wrong. I know something happened in your life that you didn't understand. But you can't stay in that dead place no more. It's time to come forth. Thank you, Jesus. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're in here today and you say, Alex, I don't know God. I'm far away from God. Maybe you're in here and you're saying, Alex, I feel like I have no relationship with God. In fact, I feel like he doesn't want anything to do with me. Maybe you're saying, Alex, I've messed up too much. I got some guilt and some shame in my life. I've done things that nobody knows about. The Bible says that all of us are sinners. There's not one perfect person in this place today. I've sinned. You've sinned. We've all failed. The Bible says that we have all fallen short of God's standard. 
That's what sin is. We've missed the mark of holiness. All of us have gone down the wrong path, made wrong choices. This is not a church of perfect people. This is a, a church of forgiven people. All of us have sinned. And maybe you think that your sin has disqualified you and God wants nothing to do with you. I want to tell you the opposite. God loves you. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. The Bible says that sin separates us from God, but God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus. And Jesus came and he grabbed all of your sin, my sin, all of our flaws, all of our guilt, all of our shame. The Bible says that Jesus carried the sins of the world on his shoulders as he went up on that cross. It's that cross that we're going to talk about this Friday night. The Bible says that Jesus went up on that cross and he paid the penalty for our sin. You and I can never pay for our own sins. Jesus died for us and Jesus died as us. The Bible says that Jesus, he died on that cross. He took his last breath. And even to make sure that he was dead, the Bible says they, they pierced him on his side to make sure that he was dead. Once they knew he was finally dead, they took him off the cross and they laid him down in the grave for three days. The Bible says that Jesus was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he overcame death and sin for you and for me. Death could not hold him down and sin could not defeat him. He paid the price for sin. Jesus, he's alive today. He's the answer that you've been looking for. He's the peace that you've been searching for. He's the hope that you need in your life today. He wants to forgive you of anything that you've ever done. And he wants to give you new life. He wants to give you life and life to the fullest. Today, if you're in here, you say, Alex, I need forgiveness of my sin. Alex, that's me. I've gone down the wrong path. I've done things nobody knows about. But today, if you're in here, you say, Alex, I want to know Jesus. Alex, I want to begin again today. Alex, I need forgiveness. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, I believe hands are going to go up across this auditorium. People have been making this decision all day long. Come on, every eye closed, every head bowed for privacy and concentration. If you're here at the count of three and you say, Alex, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness. At the count of three, I want you to raise your hand where you're at. I want you just to hold it up for a few seconds. I'm just going to see you and then you can put it right back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to put you on the spot. Come on, church, can you pray? If you're on Dream Team, can you pray? Can the church begin to pray? If that's you, if you say, Alex, today I need Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand all over this place. Amazing, amazing. Hold it up just for a minute longer. I see you. 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 God bless 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 you. I see you. I see you. I see you. Amazing. Hands raised up everywhere. Awesome. Father, we thank you so much for all these hands raised. God, I thank you for every person that's made a decision today. I pray that you seal this moment with your Holy Spirit like your word says. Come on, all of you who raise your hand, I'm going to say a simple prayer, and I want you to repeat this prayer with me. In fact, the whole church, we're going to say it out loud together. We're going to say it strong as a family. It's not my prayer that saves. It's nothing special. Actually, what saves is our faith in Jesus, and that's what we're doing in this moment. Come on, repeat after me out loud together. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, that you died for my sins, and on the third day, you resurrected. Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I am forgiven, I am healed, and I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Come on, Calvary, can we celebrate like we do? Come on, can you make some noise?